we made it to the fourth week of Advent. It's kind of like a, a sneak attack, right? Like you get to the fourth week, you're like, oh, shoot. There's only like, oh, I can't say shoot anymore. Story has decided that's a bad word. She's like, only if it's really bad can you say shoot. Uh, it is the, it is like you get to the fourth week of Advent and you're like, oh, man, there's only like a couple of days until Christmas. It's like this procrastination, like sneak attack. And you're like, oh, what do I got to do? I got so many things to do before Christmas. And I got to make those final lists. Anybody want to share what was on one of their, their final lists before Christmas? Fruitcake. I don't even know how to take that. <laughs> Need to buy David's present. Okay. Anyone else? Make a list. Make a list of, uh, of the list that you need to make. <laughs> uh, now, is this a list about things you need to do or a list about the things you want for Christmas? Indian Hall. <laughs> make those lists. Get ready. Anyone, like, visualize the day? Like, okay, this is what it's going to be like. What are your expectations? Uh, I love that new song we were listening to it the other night. Well, I don't know if it's new actually, but it's like Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, and it's just called like, what is it called? It's Christmas. It's called It's Christmas, and it's like uh, this funny song about all these like things that we do on Christmas, which... You know, I've always thought, like, preaching, you have to be kind of like a comedian because you got to, like, see the thing that everyone really sees already but has never really, like, no one's really spoken to in the same way or, like, seen with the same per perspective. And this is kind of what this song does. It's like, uh, you know, Bing Crosby is a liar. He says, like, no one roasts chestnuts on the fire <laughs> at Christmas. Um, some of the other, my favorite lyrics from the song are, precious children with their lists. It's pure unbridled avarice. It's like anything using the word avarice. At Christmas, at Christmas, you can go and pick your tree, but you can't pick your family. At Christmas, <laughs> at Christmas. And then this one, I just love this, like, nothing else can give me fits like presents bought by idiots <laughs> at Christmas, at Christmas. And then the song ends, and it's like, oh, why did baby Jesus have to be born on Christmas? <laughs> it's like this awesome thing, like, and I think the song speaks to something, like, really deep, like, all of these, like, expectations that we have, all of these experiences that we want to have are maybe, like, not all that they're really cracked up to be, like, who really roasts chestnuts on a fire. Uh, it's not like the magic of the white Christmas that we were really hoping for. Uh, and it isn't the day where, like, politics don't get brought up and... and uh, Everyone gets along perfectly, and there's no hurt feelings, and the children just play happily with each other all day long. Like, 
it's never really quite what it's cracked up to be. And of course, everyone wants to have a good Christmas, but of course, the devil is sort of in the details around that and the expectations. And at some point, it does seem that Christmas has sort of become a little bit more about what we expect and a little bit less about the birth of Jesus. And as Drew Holcomb and the neighbors so ironically puts it, oh, why does baby Jesus have to be born on Christmas? But of course, you could say it the other way, like, why do we have all these expectations for Christmas? Uh, Why? And I wonder this morning if this story of Mary and Elizabeth's meeting can't help us pull back a little bit and refocus a little bit what our expectations are. And I wonder, I wonder if there is a Christmas song worth singing that doesn't set us up with expectations that we will just be disappointed in when they are not fulfilled. But I wonder if there is a Christmas song that actually gets us in tune with the true spirit of Christmas, the spirit of Jesus. So, speaking of Mary and Elizabeth, they were both pregnant. They were expecting. And if there are a lot of expectations for something like Christmas, I would say there are exponentially more expectations for when you're expecting to have a baby. It's even called expecting because there's so many expectations. Pregnancy is riddled with expectations on all sides. And these expectations can be really quite extreme. But motherhood itself can be very nuanced and varied, many experiences. And the two mothers in our story today sort of illustrate this, you know, better than anything could, right? You have Elizabeth, who is this, like, middle-aged woman, like, well, maybe my age? I don't know. Uh, at the time, she was old, right? Like, at the time, maybe a little older than me. At the time, she was old, and she had suffered from infertility, right? And uh, even though that was the case for her, she still was sort of this woman of prominence and esteem uh, because her husband, Zachariah, was a priest in the temple. And so that afforded her a lot of privileges and probably influence in the community. And so even though she was suffered from infertility, she still sort of had this place of honor in the community. Mary, on the other hand, uh, Elizabeth's cousin, we learn, uh, is not as well off. She lives in this distant town, much further from Jerusalem. 
She is very young, probably a teenager. And the text gives us one title about Mary. And that title is that she is engaged to a man named Joseph who is from the line of David. So her one title has to do with the person she's engaged to being from a certain sort of prestigious family. And the same angel, Gabriel, comes to both of these families and tells them that God is going to give them a child. Elizabeth, Elizabeth's announcement comes first, but it actually comes to her husband, Zachariah. And Zechariah hears it and doesn't believe it. And so then he loses his ability to talk for the remainder of the pregnancy and even through the first days of John the Baptist's life. But, but Gabriel comes directly to Mary and asks her consent and tells her that she will have a baby that is going to be the Messiah. What the whole nation has been putting their hopes and dreams in for generations upon generations. Now, there are lots of little details in this story, and I would encourage you to read this story on your own and to try to look at some of the depth of connections that are happening here that are maybe not so on the surface. There's a lot of connections to temple worship and Torah and the prophets, particularly the prophet Elijah, that are really cool and really worth investigating. But today I want to kind of get uh, in the mindset of Mary and Elizabeth uh, and take a moment to consider maybe what they might be expecting as they are expecting. Um, I wonder if we can't just put our toes in their shoes for a few minutes and wiggle them around and see what that might have been like. Now, some of you have expected a child before. And uh, if you have, or maybe you haven't, and you still have read this book, there's this really famous book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. It sold over 19 million copies. It's still in print. Anyone ever heard of this book? Oh, yeah. Anybody ever read this book? Yeah. Okay, so some of us. So, so this is kind of a, a common book that's out there right now. And uh, he goes through all of these things, what you can expect when you're expecting. And uh, recently, this poet uh, named Katie Manning wrote this poem about items in the index to the book, what to expect when you're expecting. So these are all things that show up in the index of the book. And I want to read the poem for us this morning. It's a little long, but I think it really helps us maybe get into the idea about what it's like to be expecting and to be thinking about all of these things. So again, this poem is from the index of the book, What to Expect When You're Expecting, by Katie Manning, and it's called What to Expect. 
Expect accidents. Expect acne, additives, age, and airbags. Expect alcohol, allergies, and altitude. Expect analgesics. Expect animals, ankles, and antidepressants. Expect autopsy findings. Expect bathing, bending, botanicals, and breaking news. Expect bruises. Expect cabbage leaves. Expect castor oil and cats. Expect cell phones, chemicals, chlamydia and clay. Expect cleaning products, cocaine and cold weather. Expect computer monitors. Expect copper, costs, and coughing exercises. Expect dance workouts and death. Expect driving, Doppler, diving, and dramatory droop. Expect embarrassment. Expect electric blankets and equal employment. Expect eyes and facials. Expect failure, fantasies, fast food, and feet. Expect fig bars, fingernails, fish, flying football, and freckles. Expect fruit juice. Expect gardening. Expect German measles, grains, grief, and guns. Expect hair. Expect heat lamps and hiccups. Expect hiking, horseback riding, hot tubs, and hot weather. Expect hypnosis. Expect ice skating. Expect insect repellent and itching. Expect jet lag and jogging. Expect kickboxing. Expect KY jelly. Expect lacerations and laser eye surgery. Expect lead exposure and love making. Expect manicures, marijuana, masks, and meat. Expect mediation, milk aversion, and moles. Expect mosquito bites and music. Expect nasal strips. Expect nicotine patches, noise, and NutraSweet. Expect online drug shopping. Expect optimism. Expect organ donation and organic produce. Expect outside influences. Expect paint fumes, pasteurization, peanuts, pesticides, and pets. Expect pins and needles. Expect raspberry leaf tea. Expect red palms. Reduction, religious belief, and rest. Expect ribs, ripening, and risk. Expect rowing machines. Expect saddle block. Expect safety and saliva and salt. Expect scalp stimulation and scuba diving. Expect seat belts, sacks, and shoes. Expect skiing and skin sampling. Expect smells. Expect softball, stockings, and stomach bug. Expect sugar, sunblocks, and sushi. Expect Tai Chi, tears, teeth, and ticks. Expect toes, touching, train travel. Expect vaporizers, vegetables, and vision. Expect warts and water, workouts and witch hazel. Expect x-rays, expect yoga, and zinc. I wonder what Mary expected. I wonder what Elizabeth expected when they were expecting. It's no wonder, I think, that Mary sought out Elizabeth after Gabriel told her that she too was pregnant and six months along. Elizabeth, her older, wider, wiser cousin, 
could surely sure Mary's multiplying expectations, her fears, her concerns, her worries for this teenage mom who now didn't know exactly what to expect for her future. So Mary didn't walk, but ran with haste, the text says, to the Judean town in the hill country where Elizabeth was. They were a club, you see, of two. Maybe three, if you count the historical Hannah and her God-promised child. Or maybe four, if you count Abraham's Sarah. This wasn't a pregnancy club exclusively, though. It was a God-announced pregnancy club. This happened to them. It happened with them. It happened for them. But in no way could they say that their pregnancies were their own. These pregnancies were more, more than the expectations of a typical pregnancy which, as we just heard, is quite a lot to handle on its own. And I suspect the fears were more, too. I suspect that they had many fears, that maybe they feared that their bodies weren't good enough. Maybe they feared their men wouldn't be supportive enough. Maybe they feared that their communities wouldn't be woke enough. And maybe they even feared that their hearts wouldn't be big enough to handle the mystery that was about to occur. There's a lot to expect when you are expecting. In this club that was created, Mary carrying in her body the Messiah hastened to Elizabeth who was carrying the prophet who would make way for the Messiah. And the angel Gabriel had promised Zechariah before his birth that John would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And at the moment Mary walked in the door, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and cried, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has this happened to me, that the mother of my Lord comes to me? For as soon as I heard the sound of your greeting, the child in my womb leapt for joy. Here is this Mary coming, overcome with expectations. And I expect also overcome with worry and fear and haste as it would be to be sured by her older and wiser and more prestigious cousin. And here is her older and her wiser cousin honoring and receiving her. The gift of Christmas. The gift of the incarnation. The gift of the Holy Spirit came at the sound of Mary's voice. And it is Elizabeth who is first filled with the Holy Spirit. One commentator in speaking of this meeting describes what is happening theologically here. 
He says, holiness will no longer be defined by position, office, and exclusion from fellowship. But with the infilling of the spirit, humility, grace, and inclusion for all. Did you know? Can you see the depth of what's happening here? Zechariah was a priest honored with the task of going into the temple and being in the presence of God. This rare honor was reserved for only a few and only men. And here are two women who could have never expected to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And here they are, these few cells of an incarnation. These few cells of an incarnation filled these women with the Holy Spirit. It is no wonder that Mary's song, which is, by the way, the very first Christmas song ever written, is not a lullaby to a baby, but it is like a fist-in-the-air rally cry to a revolution of what happens when God comes in our midst and when women carry the presence of God. It is a kind of anthem of religious and, by default, political revolution. It is like a pledge of allegiance to Yahweh, who does strange things, unexpected things, like lift up the lowly and bring down the powerful, even in the established religious practices, who send the rich away empty, but who fill the hungry with good things, who honor those who show honor to God, who look on favor with the lowly. See, Mary's song, this first Christmas song, it's like this invitation. It's an invitation from this text this morning to expect God to work in crazy ways that we could never expect. The spirit of Christmas is not some lame trope for comedian songwriters to critique with clever lyrics. But the spirit of Christmas is this, this rally cry of Mary, this teenage mother who, without power, in a house in the hill country of Judea, believed in a revolution for the people of God, 
with God in the middle of it, a revolution of justice and love that God is bringing and only God can bring. In a context where only men of a certain tribe had access to the presence of God, here are two women singing a song of revolution filled with the Holy Spirit. And this invitation, this song, this meeting with the Spirit in the midst of it, isn't just a story to read about, but it is a revolution that continues to this day. Wherever injustice continues, wherever hunger continues, wherever God's kingdom has not yet penetrated the darkness, in the secret recesses, Mary's song can be heard. And it's going to come from the most unexpected places. Like Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? Does anyone here have a Nazareth in their life? A place where you do not expect anything good to come from. I wonder if the spirit of Christmas, this very first song of Christmas, can give us hope this morning that God's presence and God's Holy Spirit comes in the places where we might least expect it to come, in the places that others would laugh at, in those places where Mary is still singing. Maybe. Maybe these are the places where God might come first. It's a funny thing about expectations. They can cause us to totally miss the gift of the present moment because we're looking for something that isn't real. And with so many expectations for Christmas as we approach this season, I invite you to remember the spirit of Christmas. This very first Christmas song. And that it was a song of religious liberation, of revolution, of God's presence among us. To sing the song of Mary is to admit that I am lowly, The Lord is great. God wants to work out a different world and a different spirit. And you know what? I believe in it. I can't see it, this different world. It's very hard to see. It's almost invisible. But it's it's in me. I see it. I can sing it. And I want to be a part of it of this revolution. Will you join with us? Zarin leads us in the song of Mary.